0: Welcome to Shades of Blue episode 11, coming to you from LA lockdown. Um, how are you guys all doing? Uh, we are still in the middle of quite the clusterfuck and I feel like every time I record one of these podcasts, one of these podcasts goes live, things have got even more weird. So I hope you're doing okay. Um, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know how Lockdown and Corona mania is treating you. Uh, we really do love to hear from you. But let's 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 get into let's get into today's podcast. And we are speaking to the awesome Edward Doe. Uh, Edward is uh, the ultimate multi hyphenate actor, model, musician, writer, director, producer, entrepreneur, and YouTube personality. And he does all of these things really fucking well. And this conversation uh, was an absolute pleasure. We really deep dive into passions of Edwards around uh, diversity, inclusiveness, representation. And we learn a lot of really interesting things, especially about the film industry and the impact of coronavirus in the film industry as well as learning about edward's own journey and all the things that he is somehow balancing in his very entrepreneurial and busy life so i hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording and let's go
1: thanks so much for joining us edward like really awesome to be able to chat with you um and yeah i've just been like stalking your youtube and like love your content so congratulations thank you uh, so much what you've been doing over the last few years um so so tell us about yourself what you do and how you kind of got to this this point
2: yeah so my name is edward so i'm a multi hyphenate creator and uh I basically moved out to LA a few years ago, originally to do acting and to do music. That was what I, you know, like the millions of other people that come to LA, they have this dream of being in entertainment. And I've always been um, attracted to that industry, you know, from a very young age. And then I came out here and it was a very sobering experience because, you know, when when you have this idea of entering into the entertainment industry, you kind of think like, oh, I'll just work really hard and I'll, go out on auditions and then like I'll get lucky and something will happen but then when I got here it was a very sobering reality that unfortunately um you know there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes politics and things about uh diversity and just um representation that I because I grew up in Northern California and I've always been I mean being in California in general you don't really it's like a microcosm of society where you're surrounded by a lot of diversity in California and um The truth of the matter is in Hollywood, things don't really, even though California is very diverse and very liberal, uh, Hollywood in general, at least at that time, even a few years ago, was not that way. So when I first came out here, um, there was a rude awakening that there literally was just no opportunity for Asian actors. And if there was an opportunity, it was like computer guy number two with no lines, you know? So um, I I had that that wake-up call like, oh, this is actually an industry that has very antiquated um, behind-the-scenes racial politics, and I need to diversify what I'm doing. So then while I was going out auditions and I was booking little roles here and there and doing that kind of thing, um, I decided that I need to build my social media platform. And so I started out doing prank videos, like social experiment videos on YouTube. And um, that was... Kind of the beginning of everything and then it snowballed from there and now i'm doing like a multitude of things and kind of going back to my roots of what i originally came out here to do which is recording my first um ep under the name hanvi which is h-a-n-v-i-i uh i'm separating that from my my edward O stuff uh, that's kind of what i'm working on right now i have the music stuff going on um, I have all these these other ancillary businesses going on, like Moon Fiber, which is my grooming product line, which I started on YouTube. It's like kind of very homegrown because it started out on YouTube. And then I have um, recently I launched a, a brand called Things and Fables, which is like a temporary tattoo lifestyle accessory line that um, that is doing really, really well because all the designs are original. and I've been having all of these designs in my sketchbook. and finally, this year I've been able to uh, put them out and to see people wear them, it's like such a cool cool uh surreal experience because it's in your head and then now people have them on their bodies and it's like from all over the world. So it's really, really cool.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I can I guess like relate somewhat from uh you know as a fashion designer like this it's like it's just still like extremely surreal to see people like wearing the things that you've yeah, you've been like figuring out in your head for however long.
2: Yeah, I'm really into um that's actually one of my the pillars of my interest is um Obviously, on my Instagram, I do a lot of fashion posts, and that's a world that I'm really interested in as well.
1: Yeah, so you're like very, um, a very multifaceted um, entrepreneur. How how did you um, did you always know that you wanted to be um, doing your like doing your own thing in in some capacity, or was that something that was just kind of born out of um, your disappointment with Hollywood and sort of like, you know, I'll, I'm going to go and go and do it on my own.
2: Um, I think this has always been inside of me because growing up, nothing was ever handed to me. I, I feel like I've always had to work really hard for what I wanted. And um, I think that just people, for example, when, when you don't have a lot and you're growing up, I think that you tend to appreciate things more and you, you understand the value of hard work and you have um, certain, a certain work ethic from very early on. And I think it's just this kind of desire, this kind of fire inside of people, this entrepreneurial spirit, I don't think it's something that you can just suddenly stumble into. I think it's some people are either born with it or they're not, because there are some people who would be perfectly content during uh, quarantine, playing video games all day. And that's perfectly fine if that's what they find happiness in. But that's something that I could never, that was never like in my blood to do, to just kind of be chill. I've always had this like fire inside of me. And I think some people... You, you, it requires a certain like personality type like a like a type a personality to be to i think do what, all the things that i juggle you know
1: yeah i think you've got to be willing to take a lot of risks um as well which is not some you know i, I think it's a minority of people that are able to uh hold their nerve the amount that you have to um to be to be going out on your own um right. with- there are so many points where everything seems like it's going to fall apart. And like, it's, you know, it's, it's when you kind of get to that lowest low point that the best stuff tends to happen. And it's like, it's all about holding your nerve, like. Through Absolutely. The- times.
2: Yeah. You have to have really thick skin. You have to be able to handle rejection. And actually, ironically, I think that, um, you know, coming to Hollywood and trying to trying to do the acting thing and still doing it, I've been in the room, um, with some of the biggest casting directors, some of the biggest directors signed contracts, uh, saying that I'm gonna start working on this X Y Z movie, and I and I had on the, you know, I was on the edge of my seat because I'm like calling my parents, like, oh my god, my life is gonna change, and then with a blink of an eye, that production could just go away. Or there's a lot of things that happen in that space, um, behind the scenes stuff, and so just dealing with that in itself, constantly being um, having to deal with rejection, it's like really uh, thickening my skin to the business world as well because not everything is gonna be as you plan. And as a matter of fact, most things that you venture out on are not going to go according to plan and you just have to learn to evolve and shift and, and um, be malleable.
1: No, that is, that's ab- absolutely, absolutely true. And uh, yeah, uh, um, I think it's almost um, counterproductive to try to very strictly follow a plan because every like the um, external circumstances change so much in such a short period of time that right. really you have to spend a lot of time kind of winging it. Like you have your vision, but all the small steps in between, like, there's no no way that you can have like total kind of control over that, like figure out what your two year or your five year step-by-step um, step looks like. And, it's,
2: and, it's, I, and I think um, to build on your point, I think this pandemic is a perfect example of that because if you had this plan of what you're going to do this year, and then all of a sudden this, this, this thing happens and you're basically like, okay, now what, like, what are you going to do? Like your plan just went to like shit, you know? So yeah.
1: Exactly. So so let's, let's talk a bit about the current, the current situation. How, How are you personally coping with it from a mental health perspective?
2: So I think I've adjusted to it better than the average person only because I've been working from home anyway. Um, even before, uh, this pandemic happened, I was working from home. So the adjustment period, it's not that much different for me now, in terms of like the type of work that's coming in, like from brands, because brands are their budgets. Cause as a content creator, as an influencer online, I work, with, I usually work with a lot of brands to create content and their budgets have shifted and their whole strategy has shifted. So there's an adjustment period with that. But in terms of like being stuck at home, I kinda had to do that before this anyway. So it's it's not that big of an adjustment period for me, but I will say that because um, in the past, if I've been if I was working at home, I would like to take mental breaks and like I'd like to maybe go to a coffee shop and do my work there sometimes, or um, just you know little little things that we usually take for granted, like being able to to pop into our favorite restaurant, you know, for for a second to grab a quick bite to eat and those kind of things. Like we obviously can't do those those things anymore, um, so. At least for me, I've just been trying to keep myself really busy with my work and starting new projects. And so um, I've never been I think I think when I talk to my friends and they they find that they complain that there's boredom, they say they're so bored, they're stuck in the house. But for me, I can I can never be bored because there's always so much stuff going on
1: yeah I can definitely relate to that. I think um I mean uh, to be honest, like I'm very very similar situation, I'm, like very much used to um working from home. so that side is kind of okay, but you realize how um how important it is to have those breaks to be able to like go out, take a walk, grab a coffee, go mm-hmm. like you know, go and have a change of scene. I think as a as a creative as well, you, you know you're stimulated by your environment so when your environment's remaining the same same for a long period of time it does make it difficult to be in that um creator headspace i think when you're not getting that external relation um, but in terms of like structure and workflow it's not it's not that different um to it's me not either. and
2: as a matter of fact i think from after this if there's any silver lining in what's happening i think that people are going to learn more and more that um that we can improve efficiency uh, in terms of like how we how we complete work tasks or even communicate with each other, um, because not everything requires an in person meeting or just like setting up this whole meeting. Everything a lot of things can be done um, very fast and very quickly in our current s- situation. And I think there could be a or there will be a silver lining after all of this, and that um, businesses will improve their efficiency and just operate. Yeah, I no, mean the
1: all the, right. the um, you know the sort of traditional structure of the corporate world is so. Anticated now because everybody could be working much more productively and efficiently like remotely on their own time in a, in a lot of tasks you know right. rather than doing the nine to five nine to six lifestyle you can you know you can work when you're most productive still get the work done probably to a better standard and faster if you're mm-hmm. able to do it on your own terms so um hopefully it will be a wake-up call because that's that's definitely something that's been a really long time coming just just the way that um everyone yeah. is. everyone seems
2: and, to know i think i think we're not going to realize the impact of what's happening until like a few years from now because we're all in the moment right now so it doesn't really we don't really feel like things are changing but this is definitely going to change the world i think forever like in terms of it's going to be a huge huge uh global impact in how we do things and how we carry out business and just everything
1: no i completely agree because when we've you know our experience of disasters in the past has been like you know maybe for a for a couple of weeks or so Um, things have been disrupted and you're sort of throughout that whole time, you're in shock. Um, So Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're not, um, you're not even going about your normal day to day. Whereas now we have to all learn um, like new, new behaviors, new habits. Um, Yeah. Like a
2: new normal. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's going to, it's going to have a a huge, and I I hope positive as well, long-term impact. I think as well, just the enforced stillness and reflection time, Um, on a global scale is is uh, really I'm really interested to see what the um, what the impact of that is just in you know just in terms of people um, being a bit more like tuned in and empathetic and kinder to each other Um, I think I'm hoping that it will have a large impact in that sense as well
2: yeah I hope so too and I think that people are gonna just appreciate little things um, you know more like being able to go out to a coffee shop or a restaurant or whatever I think people will um, uh, have more gratitude for for those kind of things you know just like the small things that we took that we usually take for granted
1: and what what impact do you see this having long term in the film industry because obviously Hollywood is grounded right now
2: oh I think what's happening in Hollywood is absolutely devastating because basically all the movies that were um slated to to release in march or april even even in the summertime it's basically like i feel like the whole thing is just messed up for the for at least a year um and that and there's millions and millions and millions of dollars that go into the the financing and the um all of the stuff that that goes on in those films so it's like even with amc i read that they might be going uh, bankrupt you know and prior to this they were uh thriving and and You know, just on a smaller scale, you have movies like Mulan, which is supposed to come out in March, and then obviously uh, now it it never came out in March. But that would have been a great thing for diversity too, because with uh, with Crazy Rich Asians, um, have you seen that movie? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so that came out I think in two thousand eighteen. And um, it was number one in the box office. It was like the best performing romantic comedy at the, you know, a big studio for, I think, 20 years or something like that. Um, all Asian cast. It was like such a, a great uh, progressive movie for um, for just representation in general. Because And even as me as an actor, after that movie came out, my the type of auditions I was getting like changed almost overnight. Like I was going from computer guy number two with no lines suddenly to like lead roles and to like, juicy uh, multifaceted characters which are which is really really important in terms of how um you know just representation and everything so then that happened and then um you know on netflix they had shows like uh or movies like to all the boys i love with the lead asian female cast and things were ch- definitely changing in the great direction and then parasite swept swept the uh the oscars so we were having all of this momentum and then this pandemic happened which you, as you know Created a lot of um, anti-Asian uh, sentiments um, amongst you know people who well we, yeah well, we can get, that's a whole other discussion but that happened and then Mulan was supposed to be a great a stride for uh, you know just in terms of Disney um, having the a huge Disney backing um, strong f- lead female Asian that would have been such a great look and very progressive and amazing and then that's not happening. So in terms of like the performance of uh, Hollywood, in terms of like earnings and money and all that, yeah, that's one thing. But another thing that is completely derailed now, I think is the progressive movement for representation, which was happening in such a a great direction. And then now that's going to be, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that movie or the perform. If that movie doesn't do well, that's going to affect Hollywood's interest in producing more diverse films with you know asian leads and things like that so yeah it'll be interesting and i'm actually a little i'm very upset and disappointed with uh with that whole aspect you know obviously there's this global yeah yeah
1: um yeah that's i mean you know can but hope i guess that things will be able to regain some momentum afterwards but that's such an interesting point that i hadn't um, i hadn't considered it just like the, the timing mm-hmm. for everything to be um grounded and derailed that is, is that's really upsetting um because it's, it's so um i feel like film industry especially like progress is so slow and so hard to come by mm-hmm. um yeah so and um, and
2: people always argue like oh it's just a movie it's just entertainment what's the big deal but most people get their ideas and their their ways of thinking and all that stuff. They get that from the media. They're not sitting and reading some like college essay or some some book about it. You know, this is where the common person gets their ideas from, or their their thoughts and their opinions and their perceptions. And so, media is so strong in shaping um, society in, in general, and just in so many different in so many different facets. So, it's not just a movie or it's not just a TV show. Like, it affects so many things. Um, even if like let's say a, a young kid out in the middle of you know whatever state or country or whatever if they see themselves being represented it can impact their lives forever so it's like a really big deal it's not just a movie it's not just a tv show so um i think yeah i think what will what will need to happen after this is that i hope that um you know who knows what's going to happen i think that in, not even just with mulan or asian Uh, representation but just movies in general i think there's going to be a long road of recovery because people are not just gonna jump back into the theaters and uh, when those theaters open and yeah it's gonna be interesting on the flip side uh on the positive side obviously with people stuck at home and and things going that route there's a lot of streaming numbers are what i read at an all-time high like places like netflix and hulu and all that stuff so I know that there's still Netflix in particular is still championing um, you know, diverse movies and, and, and things like that. So that's always great.
1: No, that, that is, that is really, really great. Do you think they will be, um, do you think it's leveled the playing field a little bit for the indie film industry, uh, given that it's obviously going to have a much deeper impact on the, um, on the larger corporations and it'll be slower for them to get back back and going. Um, does it, does it, give a little bit of leeway for maybe those, um, those other creators to get spotlighted.
2: You know what? I I think so. And that's like a really interesting discussion because, well, nothing like, for example, nothing can compare if you have a major studio backing your film, right? That, that machine is, you can't compare that to a, uh, an indie film, but I do think it's definitely democratized the, the industry and it's allowed indie filmmakers to um, uh, get their products seen without, Major backing, and you even see that in the the music industry too. Yeah,
1: I think definitely seeing it in the music industry right now. Yeah, Um, because you know, obviously, like tours have ground to a halt and everything else. The um, so we're um, we're running a um, Instagram live stream festival at the moment. So, like, a few times a week, we do sets with um, with artists, and uh, a lot of them have been saying that they actually like feel like pretty good about being able to release during this time because the, the bigger the bigger labels and the biggest bigger artists are holding back now on releases until this is kind of whitening down and it means that they get a little bit more space to um to be to be heard which is which is very cool
2: it's very exciting because as a musician myself like in the past if you wanted to get your song heard it's like okay i need i need a label i need a label to like back me but now people you know even on tiktok there's new there's new viral artists that are being created in the music scene just based off of TikTok like every week. There's a, every week there's a hot new song and that hot new song is most likely being made from some kid in his basement or something. You know, it's not, it's not like some major record or label release. So it's really exciting to see um, what's happening in the music space. And it's very, that is actually, my friend, um, he's a pro- music producer and I've witnessed his tr- career trajectory like from TikTok. Uh, going from un- virtually unknown to like within this time span of a few weeks, being signed to a major record label, Capital Records, getting millions and millions of streams, it's like I witnessed that firsthand, and it really just was like, wow, like this is really possible. That's know?
1: amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, TikTok is a is a real game changer. Um, oh, for
2: sure, it's my favorite social media app right now. Yeah,
1: it's. it's- um, I think it's just the most enjoyable like as a like as a consumer and a creator it's just like it's just mm-hmm. fun um compared to other social media
2: yeah i can spend all day on tiktok and not get bored because the algorithm is that good like it really truly shows you what you like
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely you know? I, I have I, yeah definitely yeah. that's like my, my experience as well it's just it's just really enjoyable content whereas uh i find you know the more instagram i consume the more depressed i get whereas Absolutely.
2: It is a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent that because um, I don't, I don't know what Instagram is going to do to, to revive itself or to like inject new life into itself as a platform. But even like just from a creator standpoint, because on TikTok, I grew like, uh, I think it was like 300,000 in like two months, but I, as a creator, obviously when you, when you see the growth, it's like very exciting and very validating but then as a consumer of that content um there's so many avenues in which that could go right so it's like you can it could be a learning platform it could be a like a platform that you just go to to for comedic relief there's just like an endless infinity boundless uh, frontier on tiktok whereas on instagram i feel like it's just they tried instagram tv they tried obviously they tried a lot of different things but the algorithm is serviced less for um discovering like new things um so i'm i'm really excited about tiktok as a matter of fact i've been uploading like two or three times a day on that platform because it's just it's it's really fun to make tiktoks it's like it's like a creative outlet and then also um uh there's just you get to play with so many different little elements that you're not able to really do in the confined spaces of of instagram
1: yeah, no, I, I I totally totally agree with that. I did, so, like speaking on um, social media and building your online following, have you um, have you struggled with your um, with your mental health or self confidence through that process of building an online following from the from the beginning? Because it's um, obviously oh. your your output is an extension of you personally. Oh, um, for sure. Obviously, it's difficult not to very personally take on. Yeah every like every, every comment every like or every lack of likes and so on like whilst you're going through that growth process
2: absolutely and you know what though like to, to, uh, so it's interesting because um just like with hollywood or the entertainment industry being a magnet for people who want who are seeking this kind of like public validation i think that you will not find a single influencer or content creator who's doing what they're doing um who doesn't have some form of like Uh, like narcissistic tendencies or personality traits because it's like in order to put yourself out, you don't just stumble into it. Like it requires a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of energy to keep pumping out content for those likes, for people to validate you, to say you're amazing, to do all of that. So it's like anybody who's attracted to that uh, form of like churning out content for validation and doing all that stuff, there's gonna be some form of, like narcissism involved, or like um, self—what do you call it? Uh, just in terms of uh, self—what am I looking for? The word, um, just validation. That, self-validation. That that in itself, as a public space, attracts a certain type of individual. You know, so when you have that kind of individual in this kind of space, um, and it's like an amalgamation. There's a lot of things happening because there are people who are. Uh, maybe more popular, less popular, people who are clout chasing, people who are, who are it's just like a, a whirlwind, a tornado of different um, interesting personality types. Then there's, it's like a recipe for uh, a, a mental health disaster. And that's why I think even like with the Instagram trend of like portraying your life as perfect and like all this other stuff, in the beginning it was that. But like now on Instagram, at least the, the hot type of content is like relatable content. Like your feed doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and I just think that going back to the question of um, struggling with mental health, I think it's unavoidable. Like it is, I don't think it's possible that as a content creator, it doesn't have some kind of impact on your mental health. When let's say you spend all night, all day producing a piece of content and maybe that piece of content doesn't perform as well. And then maybe like you do, you just kind of have, half-assed a certain piece of content and that content does really really well and then it's just like that can mess with you a little bit you know
1: yeah for so, sure and obviously because you're doing everything yourself and it's not it's kind of just, you know it's not part of a broader team and so on like everything feels like you, automatically yeah. full responsibility for everything even though there's you know algorithm time like every there are so many external variables but i think in that situation you can't help but Uh, think like oh what did I do what did I do wrong
2: oh absolutely and I think it'll be interesting um, because obviously social media is relatively new in the time span of the human existence but I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see all the studies that come out of this time period and what how it affects people's perception of themselves and how and everything because it's just there's so many it's like a um, it's like a landmine of uh, psychological studies that you could do based on what's happening with people and social media.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Do you have to deal with trolls? And how, how oh, do you, of
2: course, do all, the, all the time, you know, what, at the, at the core, at the core of it, what I've realized is everybody just wants to feel like they are not invisible. So even with trolls, everybody wants to feel like they have a voice, like they're being acknowledged, like they, like you, like you're validated, like even the trolls, they want to be validated. They're saying what they're saying because they're basically saying, Hey, look at me. I'm here. Pay attention to me. Like I have something to say, you know? So, so sometimes people will say just outlandish things because they want you to pay attention to them. They want a reaction. And then they'll say like, I find a trend, which is very interesting, like even if, if you read a lot of troll comments, like they'll say something very vicious and disgusting, and then the person will respond to them. Now, it, it depends. If the person responds in a very um, diplomatic way, usually the troll will back off and say, oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. I just wanted to like say or whatever, you know? So at the, at the end of it, people just want to be heard and people just want to be validated. And I think if you approach it with that kind of empathetic perspective, like these are people who are very misguided because there's that's not the way you should get attention by by trolling somebody or like commenting something disgusting or nasty or negative on their post but these people are people who need our empathy because usually these are not happy these are not happy people they're usually very miserable to comment something um you know really bad like that you know so it's
1: it's very it's very impressive that you're able to um you're able to be so compassionate um, because it's, yeah, I I totally, totally agree with you. I think it's very hard in the moment um, to see that and to be able to uh, extend that kind of courtesy and understanding. Um, So, yeah, is that something that has taken you time to get to grips with or did you like always feel like that?
2: Um, I think it's definitely taken some time, but I've always been an empathetic personality type to begin with so some people they take things at face value right they just say they just see whatever they see and then they're just like they react immediately to that they don't internalize it and they don't digest it and they don't ask why something is the way it is but for me i've always been that way and i think that if you're a a public figure or if you're in kind of like a public space and you're subject to a lot of different opinions it's something it's a skill that you just have to develop because um you're gonna, people, people are at liberty to say whatever the heck they want um, behind a computer screen. And it produces some of the most amazing, beautiful uh, connections, but it can also produce some like just really disgusting, vile, like people really say some vile things online, like sure. for, for no reason sometimes, you know? And sure. I think that if you, you got don't-
1: that ha- Behind the screen.
2: Yeah, and I think that if you don't have that kind of mentality or that thick skin, it can really like destroy you. And I think that's why a lot of people in entertainment or social media or whatever they they end up doing drugs. They end up uh, doing self a lot of self harm because it is really tough to be this at the subject of all those um, opinions and and thoughts and like judgment and all that. That's not a normal like human thing to experience. So I can understand why so many people in entertainment end up either dead or like with serious issues. So, um, and especially it's even more impactful because going back to what we talked about earlier, the entertainment industry and social media in general already attracts damaged people to begin with. So then you're dealing with damaged people who are becoming even more who are put through the whirlwind or the tornado of like public judgment and so it's just it creates a spectacle of that's why a lot of um celebrities they they go up in flames and then people love watching that kind of stuff too because it's like a a, a spectacle
1: of course i mean that's really um really the reason that um i set up the shades of blue platform because i mean i guess i've seen the the same the same sort of thing in the fashion industry where the creative industries as a whole tend to attract vulnerable people um because mm-hmm. most artists are you know they're drawing from something kind of dark to be able yes. to create their art and then they go into this system that just relentlessly exploits that vulnerability um and it's uh, it's something that's not really spoken about enough obviously you know in the last couple of years there's more Um, there's more around it but the systems still aren't really changing um and yeah i think it's just it's a very important thing to um highlight and and talk about yeah film is a film is a key film and entertainment absolutely key example of of that
2: i i think the only way to combat that is if i mean obviously there's like a lot of privacy issues with this but there's got to be a way where this where social media evolves where there's accountability for things people say online yeah people. Yeah. Because right now it's, it's basically anyone can say anything and then there's no accountability. You can say the most wild, crazy thing about someone. And then the the internet can turn it into a fact because there's no fact checking. People can say anything and then it's suddenly true. And it's just like, you know, in, in, in combination with cancel culture and all of that kind of stuff, it's just so toxic that there has to be some form of accountability um we have to evolve some kind of accountability in this industry where people can't just you have to like assign ids or something i don't know how how it would happen but it's like you can't just hide behind a computer screen and say whatever the hell you want because you feel like it
1: no i i i um i really agree with that and then on the on the flip side um i think from the from the industry side there needs to be the same accountability as the as the individuals so there needs to also be um like spaces set up where people can like whistleblow and share oh, their for sure. and and you know it needs to needs to come from needs to come from both sides and yeah as you say it's sort of like trying to balance that um kind of government like government police state privacy issue with something that's kind of fundamentally necessary for us to uh like healthily coexist together hope hopefully there'll be some kind of compromise that um i mean i mean for
2: for sure there's gonna because like i said like in the time span of um uh social media like in terms of how long it's been around we are literally in the infancy of it so we're we're working out all the kinks like all the, the the ugliest sides of it the most beautiful sides of it all of it is kind of we're all experiencing it in real time. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I think it's, it's, it's also evolving at a faster rate than the human brain is able to really process it and deal with it. So it evolves faster mm-hmm. than we can develop the tools to be able to cope with what it's throwing up, which is right. the challenge.
2: Right. It's uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, a- it's, uh, <laughs> it's certainly an interesting interesting time to be to be alive, interesting generation to be in.
2: Right. Um, But at at the core of it, I think that before we develop all those technologies, before we do any of that, I think that people just remember that we're all human beings. There's literally a person behind that computer screen that you're either throwing that disgusting comment towards or whatever. And then if we understand that at the end of the day, the core of everything is that people just want to be heard no matter, or they want to feel like they exist. So it doesn't matter if you have 10 million followers or if you have one follower, they still, we all just want the same thing. We just all want to be loved we want to be loved. We want to be acknowledged and we want to be heard. Even if you have the most extreme, crazy views, like racist views or whatever, at the end of the day, that person also just wants to be like, hey, my opinion matters and I just want to be heard. I want to feel like my, my, uh, my existence matters.
1: No, that that makes complete yeah. sense. I think so. There's, um, and it may it may well relate to what we've just been talking about. But there's a question that we ask uh, every guest at the end of the podcast, uh, which is, "What would your protest sign say?" So I know it's kind of a big question.
2: I think, I, I think, I think, <laughs> I already thought of it. I think it'd be just like "Love more, hate less." I think yeah, that's, that's it. Perfect. that's it. Period. That's I think it applies in so many situations. It doesn't matter if it's politics. It doesn't matter if it's like uh business at the end of the day i think that if that was the the core uh ethos of of people in general i think we'd have a, the world would just be a better place
1: yeah I and mean, that's that's a pretty perfect place to wrap i think um that was like such a interesting conversation like you're so eloquent you. it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and i know that our listeners are gonna are gonna really. Enjoy this well, ha- well, I have um, to tell you yeah. that
2: um, I really admire people who have podcasts because I've always wanted one because I have so much to say. So maybe uh, when this when this ends, we'll communicate and you can give me a few pointers on um, how to start one and, and all that stuff because I've, I've always wanted to start one and have one.
1: Of course. I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a very natural extension of what you're already doing. Absolutely. right? Um, so I guess it's just ty- time in the day for you with your million
2: other projects <laughs> that you're doing. I- I think I think this is a cathartic process, too, because if you're somebody who like, honestly, some people don't have any thoughts, they're just kind of going out through their day. And that's fine. But like with me, I literally am thinking so much all the time that this is like a cathartic time period where where instead of like penting up all these thoughts and just letting your mind race, you can talk about it with someone. And it's like, um, you know, a very therapeutic cathartic process too to be able to communicate with people and share thoughts and exchange ideas
1: yeah it really is that's that's definitely um that's definitely the most enjoyable part of it for me i think just to be able to um like explore different things that are otherwise going to be stuck inside my brain
2: <laughs> if anybody out there listening wants to find me i'm pretty easy to find i'm on instagram edward Zo, on tiktok edward Zo, on youtube edward Zo. luckily i have my name on i got my name on all of my social media so
1: that's that's good yeah. and we'll, we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well
2: cool